The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play. Off to the races. Touchdown. Oh, he's done it again. Now here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Is there any stopping Justin Jefferson in his second season? Can we move DK Metcalf ahead of A.J. Brown now? Let's talk about... Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, those two guys are in today's discussion. We're talking about year two and year three wide receivers and maybe some sleepers as well like Gabriel Davis or I don't know if there's still any love for Jalen Rager out there. Uh, it's going to be a fun show. We're going to talk about these uh, these exciting young wide receivers and some that might not really be on your radar right now. We got a four-man booth today. Adam Azer, Jimmy Eisenberg, Heath Cummings, Chris Towers. We also have some news to get to and your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Heath, what did you put on the smoker this weekend? Uh, tri-tip for the first time ever. Um, it was a different process than I'd ever used before. Also, I smoked it for about two hours at 225 degrees and then put it on direct heat and seared it. So it, it was a little bit overdone, probably more towards medium than medium rare, but the flavor was delicious. Mm, I would have sent it back. So what do, <laughs> am I supposed to know what tri-tip is? It's a cut. It's a, it's, a cut it's of beef. beef. Okay. Did did everybody know that? Jamie, did you know that? Yeah. Okay. Everybody knew that. Great. So let's talk about uh, Cam Akers. Sean McVay says Cam Akers is going to be their punter this year. No, he said he's going to line him up. He can catch passes out of the backfield. They can use him in the slot. They can use him out wide. Chris, what was your reaction? I know you've had some concerns about Cam Akers' role in the passing game. Uh, did this do anything for you? This these comments by Sean McVay. I mean, I saw some comments from Greg Roman that they are doing the same thing with J.K. Dobbins. Um, Najee Harris was lining up in the slot. I, I don't know. It's all talk until we actually see it. But the thing with the Rams is we do have evidence that they'll use their running backs in the passing game in the in the Todd Gurley era. They were never, you know, he was never Christian McCaffrey, but um, you know, he was like fifty to sixty catches at his peak, um, or at least pacing for that, and. You know, that's the difference between like when Greg Roman says that about J.K. Dobbins. I definitely dismiss that because the Ravens have never used their running backs in the passing game. And I have no reason to believe they will. Um, with Akers, I could see it happening. Sure. Yeah, that's, this is a guy who is pretty hyped right now. He is a top 10 pick. Uh, he's a top 12 pick. He's a top 10 running back in NFC going just ahead of Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, Najee Harris. Uh, behind Nick Chubb, so a lot of Cam Akers' enthusiasm, and yes, we do hope that he's used in the passing game. Jamie, Ed, Ed Bouchette of The Athletic said that Ben Roethlisberger's elbow should be stronger this season than it was in 2020, and also that the offense we saw last year basically, you know, was, uh, I guess, a result of the elbow, or at least partially. So I, I know we've, we've talked about this a lot. It seems like there's a Roethlisberger story every day, but you want to chime in real quick? It is very interesting that depending on the day and the analyst and the site and whatever you're listening to, whatever podcast you're listening to, whatever story you're reading, that there's love for Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, and Najee Harris, and we're all counting on a 38-year-old quarterback who says his elbow feels good to make this all work. 
You can't love all these guys if you don't have some semblance of trust in Roethlisberger to some level of degree, whether it's as bad as he was last year and that's going to be the floor and that's what you're going to expect from all these guys or he's going to be better and it's going to help all these guys improve to whatever level and Najee Harris step into the NFL and be a very good, if not great, fantasy running back. So I hope Roethlisberger's fine. I'm not drafting Roethlisberger, nor are you as a number one quarterback, but he has sleeper appeal, uh, certainly in two quarterback and super flex leagues. And if he is anything close to what he was pre-injury, you're going to have one of the biggest steals in fantasy because of all the weapons he has around him and what he showed you before he got hurt. So I hope his elbow is stronger. I hope that that's the case. Uh, But until I see a change or I see something different, I'm going to buy what he was last year and just hope that it helps all the guys around him still be able to produce at a high level. Would you guys rather have Ryan Fitzpatrick or Ben Roethlisberger? Mm. Fitzpatrick. Probably Fitzpatrick. Uh, yeah, I currently have Fitzpatrick higher, but they are, they are definitely in the same, bo- same ballpark. All right. The and old then, ballpark. Uh, <laughs> Baltimore signed Gus Edwards to a two year, $10 million extension. Heath, that's, that's not an insignificant amount of money for, uh, it's Kenyon Drake money, right? It's, it, yeah. if you include his current year, so this is a two year extension that goes through 2023. If you include his current salary. This is the thirteenth most run money that any running back uh, is currently owed. What does that tell you, Heath? Well, that they, it's not going to be a situation where I don't believe J.K. Dobbins is going to get 55-60% of the team's carries because we know Lamar Jackson's going to be at twenty-five to thirty percent of the carries. Um, and that, like the the way that Dobbins becomes a top 12 running back is he could have the extreme efficiency season that Mark and Mark Ingram had a couple of years ago, or uh, he could see a big increase in volume. And one of those two things doesn't seem to be near as likely any longer. I do think Gus Edwards is still a pretty good option, especially in best ball leagues. Cause it's tough to know when he's going to score or when he's going to break off the long run or when they're going to have a three score lead. And so he's going to get 15 carries that week. But I think he's, I think he's a pretty decent option as a, as a bench running back. And man, if something happens to Dobbins, Edwards could absolutely be a league winner. <sighs> Adam, just to kind of tie in what we talked about on the Monday show, I think it was the Monday show, the last show with Dave. Yeah. Um, where, you know, once you get past the elite group of running backs, the ones you're taking in the first two rounds, and then the dead zone guys, and when you start to get into the middle rounds and toward the end of your draft, if you're not looking at guys like Daryl Henderson and Gus Edwards, you're making a huge mistake in how you play because these are guys that are in unbelievable situations should the starter go down, and they're going to play along with the starter. And so Gus Edwards has showed you what he can be if he gets – minimal opportunities imagine if he got feature opportunities and daryl henderson has shown you what he could be when he gets feature opportunities we don't know how it's all going to work because we didn't see henderson healthy with acres when he was at his best so it's going to be smart of you especially if you don't take running backs early to target guys like this and jamal williams and latavius murray and guys that are going to play and have the chance to be stars and i say that in quotes but in their situations if they get the chance to get those starter opportunities. Yeah, I would throw A.J. Dillon in there. A.J. Uh, Dillon's another well. one, absolutely. The, the thing with Edwards, and I, I looked this up last year, I think when, was it the Pittsburgh, the second Pittsburgh game, I think, when Dobbins had COVID. Edwards, when he's had, you know, I think it was 12 carries, he's been a fine fantasy option, but it's been more like a mid to low end RB2. Um, and And I wrote about, Dobbins and whether he has the upside and whether you know Gus Edwards' contract extension matters. Uh, that's that'll be up on CBS Fantasy, uh, CBSSports.com/fantasy sometime when after you read this. And I kind of view both of them, no matter you know whether Dobbins is the lead back as we expect or whether Edwards gets the opportunity to be the lead back for some reason. I kind of view both of them as like low floor, low ceiling players, where you know because neither really has the 25 carry in a game upside or the five catches in or seven catches in a game upside that you usually want for like a high upside running back. I think both of them, when they get that opportunity, it's more like, I know I'm going to have a good player, but I it's, it'll be harder for them to be, you know, truly elite backs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hope you'd hope that they would turn one loose, but it just, 
It doesn't happen. It's a good point. All right, so I want to talk about these young wide receivers. Let's do it. First, I want to tell you that on Tuesday night, that's tonight for most of you, uh, we are going to be live on YouTube, youtube.com slash today. And by the way, you can watch all of our shows on youtube.com slash today. But this is live, taking your questions and doing a mock draft. And yeah, ask, ask away any questions you have. And we'll be giving away a year-long subscription to Sportsline during the draft. So subscribe to youtube.com slash today, and we will see you. YouTube at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. First question I have for you. I started the show with it. Is there any stopping Justin Jefferson? Heath, I'll give you the first word. I don't know exactly what you mean by that. <laughs> I don't either. I don't, I don't think that uh, Justin Jefferson is very likely to be quite as efficient as he was in terms of a yards per target. So if he's going to match the production that he had last year, he's going to need an increase in targets, and he may just get that. I do think the Vikings' defense improved just a little bit. I Let's see. He yeah. had 1,400 yards last year. I think I have him projected for slightly under that this year. Um, but he's a, a solid number one wide receiver. Who, yeah, 1,364, who has a chance to be – Like I think he's he, he has a very good argument to be the number one dynasty wide receiver right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did it. He had exactly 1,400 yards in 16 games. He kind of came on strong late. He was good for most of the year, but last seven games he had, uh, or last eight games he had 773 yards on 81 targets. First eight games he had only 44 targets. Uh, so yeah, you, the, you mentioned the defense. Defense hopefully could be a lot better. They're gonna have two different starting defensive tackles. They've upgraded their secondary. They were a top. 11 defense six straight years before last year, and then they were pretty bad. Um, but even still, they were only 27th in the NFL in pass attempts. Jamie, what do you think could derail Justin Jefferson, who's going to be most likely a second-round pick? You drafting him and dropping him for a stupid running back? <laughs> <laughs> Let's check the updated Twitter poll. Did you guys vote on this? Heath and Chris, you probably don't even know the answer. Who did I drop Justin Jefferson for? Uh, no, I did not see that one. Okay. Here are your four options. I dropped him in after week two for a running back. Who did I drop him for? Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin, Naheem Hines, or Peyton Barber? I'm going to say Peyton Barber. I'm going to say Naheem Hines. Most people said Naheem Hines, 48%. It was Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber was <laughs> the correct answer there. That would be a bad thing for Justin Jefferson if we're at any point dropping it for Peyton Barber. Um, yeah, I don't know. What about uh, Adam Thielen's role? I, I think the thing that you, you got to be concerned about is uh, Mike Zimmer getting too much involved in the offense. I like what he said earlier this offseason that he has to sort of evolve with the times and understand that it's not just the defense and run game NFL anymore. Um, I hope Clint Kubiak, Gary Kubiak's son, um, has uh, a little bit, you know, um, I don't know, different approach, because obviously it worked really well for Justin Jefferson, but uh, a different approach in terms of not necessarily, you know, allowing Zimmer to sort of go back to, we just have to run the ball and play defense. Um, Kirk Cousins played really well last year, and, and the passing game played really well last year. This wasn't an offensive problem with this team. This was a defensive problem with this team. And so Jefferson, you know, there there's now target on him. There, there are eyes on him. There are defensive players that are gunning for him because of how good he is. Um you know, it, it's going to come down to, you know, he could have a very good season, but the touchdowns escape him. You know, he doesn't score as much. And we don't get to see the dances and, and the fun stuff. Uh, so, yeah, you know, the, there, there could be good play, but, you know, just natural regression. But I still think you have to buy into what he showed you last year and what his role is on this team and, and hopefully continues to flourish as opposed to regress. We, we know there's kind of an obvious analog here. This is the exact same discussions we were having about A.J. Brown a year ago. I mean, the Titans offense is a little less pass heavy, but while he can't sustain the efficiency, but the volume will increase, he's, I, I just think you bet on the talent. He you was know, just like, a lot better than AJ Brown was. Ah, uh, was he? Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe for the whole season, the but once season. AJ Brown got going, AJ Brown was a, a wide receiver one for the second half of the season. Oh, they were both great, but I mean, Justin Jefferson was historical. He really was. I mean, that's the thing. He he did. Th you got to put him in the conversation when you look at players who could finish as wide receiver one. Personally, I feel like you have to put him in that conversation. I don't know if you guys feel that way. 
Do you think that yeah. th- this is a player that could realistically finish as the number one wide receiver? Yeah, I, I think he would have to do it on elite efficiency, you know, kind of the way we're expecting AJ Brown to be, you know, that kind of receiver where he could finish as wide receiver one. He's going to have to do it. You know, he's not going to have a Michael Thomas 2019 season, you know, where it's right. just overwhelming right. volume. He's going to have to be, you know, an eight to 10% touchdown rate guy. He's going to have to be, you know, 10 yards per target probably to get there, but it's certainly doable. Okay. I guess we, we've said it sort of, but just the stats that could hold back Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, 26.1 pass attempts per game, first eight games, 38.4 last eight games. I might, I might, I might be a little off on that second one, but I, I know the first one's right. 26.1. Um, so yeah, we, if it's back to 26 games where Kyle Rudolph did not play, no, uh, I feel like it's a typo. I think it was 33.4, but I'll double check. Uh, but yeah, you don't want to see them throwing 26 times per game. Okay, that's the first question. Is there any stopping Justin Jefferson? Second question, who is your number two? I think I know the answer, but let's talk about it. Who is your number two sophomore wide receiver? Jamie? CeeDee Lamb. You know, you just look at the way he performed in the beginning of the season when Dak was healthy. You know, obviously tailed off, but the entire offense tailed off. But, you know, just based on pedigree and, and clearly the offense that he plays in and you know, hopefully the volume of this pass offense continues uh, based on what we saw last year when Dak was healthy. So for me, he's the second guy, but, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of contenders, but he, he's easy, too, for me right now. It was 38.4. I was right about Kirk Cousins. Yeah. All right. So is there, does everybody have C.D. Lamb as their number two year two wide receiver behind Justin Jefferson? I have Lamb one spot ahead of Brandon Ayuk in full PPR, and I have Ayuk one spot ahead of Lamb in non PPR. Oh, interesting! So I, basically, a push, like within a half a point of each other, and and so I, yeah, I think, I think Lamb's probably the best bet, but um, I, Ayuk was pretty special. He really was. My goodness. Last seven games of the year, he was the number three wide receiver in fantasy on pace for over 100 catches, more than 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns. Chris, how about you? Are you Lamb? Yeah, Lamb. And there's a there's a maybe a point and a half per game gap between the two, but between him and Ayuk for number two. All right, Heath, let's, ex- let's explore that a little bit because uh, that's – I. I'll check ADP right now. I don't think they're going to be all that close, Lamb and Ayuk. No, Lamb is, I think, a top 14 wide receiver in ADP. He's going ahead of Amari Cooper, which is interesting. Lamb, okay, yeah. So um, we're looking at NFC since May 1st. Lamb is 14th. Cooper's 15th. They're back-to-back. And Ayuk is 26, wide receiver 26. Uh, but we can all at least later. agree that we like Ayuk better at his cost than Lamb at his cost, right? Not necessarily. I don't know. What do you got, JV, Chris? So that's red round four for Lamb, round six for Ayuk. I think it's right. Which value do you prefer? Or is I'll it take Lamb. Lamb? Yeah, I think I might be closer on Lamb than Ayuk. All right, Heath, let's go on. Tell me why yeah, so high I on mean, Ayuk. I get what it is. It's that we think CeeDee Lamb's going to be better than he was last year because he has Dak Prescott, and Brandon Ayuk's going to be worse than he was last year because George Kittle's going to be healthy. Um, but and Debo. on a per-game basis, I don't and – and that's probably where we have some disconnect. I just don't think Debo Samuel's near as good a wide receiver as Brandon Ayuk. He's going to do all the running oh, back pass-catching stuff and all the reverse stuff and all that fun stuff. But like Brandon Ayuk was better on a per game basis last year than CD Lamb was. So Lamb has to make that improvement and, and Dak Prescott could be the difference. But I don't really know could be. that Ayuk <laughs> has a lot more competition. You know what has a lot more competition? Like Kittle and Debo Samuel is is not near as much competition as, as Amari Cooper <sighs> and Michael Gallup and Blake I, Jarwin. I mean it's, you're probably I mean, the level of competition is probably the same. Yeah, and you're probably talking about what seventy fewer pass attempts for San Francisco. Yeah, oh, yeah, probably. What, what if that's it's with Garoppolo? Right. What if it becomes Trey Lance? That's a little terrifying. I, I, but how many I fewer think, pass attempts was it last year? Because Ayuk had was on pace for seventeen more targets than Lamb last year. Ooh, yeah, but I think for the Forty ers it was more. We, you know, they didn't have as many. You know, like Dallas. They just got so conservative. Like I, I don't, I, I can never see Kyle Shanahan getting conservative, which would help with Lance. Uh, that I don't think they're going to change things too much. But 
Uh, Dallas, you know, their quarterback situation was worse than San Francisco's. That says a lot. It was 70 pass attempts, basically. Difference between the two. Um, yeah, like, Ayuk was better than CeeDee Lamb, but it's really hard to say, like, in the eight games that he played with Debo Samuel and George Kittle, he was on pace for 118 targets. In the four he didn't, he was on pace for 152 targets. He played eight that's games. A, I had he played eight games what, with them because uh, I have I them. Played, I don't think they played near near they that. They played many games. four. Kittle only played eight games, and Kittle and and huh. and I you missed some time together. So so I have the yeah, breakdown. Sure I've, I've given this okay. before. Um, weeks four through seven, it was four games where they all all three played. Now one of the games, I think there was like a week eight where Debo left almost immediately. So, um, but weeks <laughs> weeks four through seven are the games that we're looking at here. And Kittle had 40 targets. Ayuk had 21. And Debo had 22. Ayuk had not really broken out at that point. The last game of that stretch, he had his, his big game at 115 yards at New England. They blew out New England. And basically from that point on, he was terrific. But Debo was out, and then Kittle was out. It, you know, But I, I think there's at least a possibility that he could have sustained that, and he just hadn't broken out yet because it does take wide receiver rookie wide receivers a while but that's just speculation on my part uh yeah the fun part of that though about what you just said cd lamb started to do that early he did yeah yeah. and and imagine if he had had the natural rookie progression later in the year cd lamb was more efficient on a per target basis on an offense that i i have to imagine wasn't if it wasn't less efficient i i don't think it was more efficient on a per target basis overall. I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm the outlier here. I'm not convinced Brandon Ayuk's that much better than Debo Samuel. I think Debo Samuel's a really, really good player. Obviously, they have very different roles and I think they can coexist together alongside George Kittle. But I think ultimately what it comes down to for me being lower on Ayuk than, than Heath at the very least is I think him and Debo Samuel are going to have a pretty, pretty comparable target share. I have them both for right around 115 targets. I would guess Heath has a bigger gap than that. 115? Yeah. Oh, I think CD Lamb's going to shatter that. No, no, no. no I'm talking Ayuk. about Debo versus Ayuk. Oh, D- oh I'm sorry. Debo. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. Debo. I have CD Lamb 11 spots higher with 20 more targets. I would. And I that would, feels low. I would think that Ayuk is probably closer to 130 targets. I think I've got Ayuk at 123. Um, I may just be too low on CD Lamb's targets. I've got him relative, like slightly higher than where he was last year, but not a, not a whole, like not basically more than the 17th game. So let me like CD Lamb. I, I like Amari Cooper a lot. We talked about this Adam on the other side. We don't need to get back into it, but I, I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all if CD Lamb's the best Cowboys receiver. Yeah, and and so so here's the question then. Last year, it was I think pretty easy to really love. A.J. Brown, Metcalf, McLaurin, I don't know, maybe not all three, but two of them, whatever. And they were all going in round four, and they just seemed like obvious breakout candidates. When you look, and Jamie kind of alluded to this, I think on FFT and five, when you look at the year two wide receivers this year, it's a little crowded, you know? It, it, I don't know that the opportunities are quite the same. Claypool, Ayuk, CeeDee Lamb in particular. Jerry, and who? And Higgins. Thank you, Higgins. You know, Judy gets Sutton back. So it's not, I mean, you love the talent. These guys had amazing years, but do you think, taking Justin Jefferson out of the equation, do you think we're going to get players that have that kind of impact, that make that jump like Brown and and Metcalf and to a lesser extent McLaurin did? Lamb is the one just based on his team and what you saw. I mean, you, 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 you saw glimpses of the quarterback receiver combo and the production and what it could be. It's a small sample size, you know? So that's the thing that you're hoping for is that year two, that he's better. Dak is the same and the offense is the same. Ayuk is, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think, you know, again, and, and I'll say this a lot. This isn't, I don't like, I, I love Brandon Ayuk. I think Brandon Ayuk's a star getting him around six is fantastic. I would take him in round five, but um, you know, it's just, the, the the offenses are different. The competition is not the same. I mean, obviously, Lamb has tougher, more 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 components working with. You know, maybe not tougher, but more components. 
Um, but I think there's just a little bit higher ceiling for Lamb and Dallas than there is for Ayuk and San Francisco. But if you can get both those guys, that's a great fantasy roster you could be putting together. And I, I can see Jerry Judy, especially among the other year two wide receivers. I could see him making that kind of leap. I could see him having a, a Terry McLaurin like season. I know there were issues last season, but you know, the, the QB situation in Denver, I think, is better just by virtue of the fact that Teddy Bridgewater gives them a higher floor. Well, have you seen the report today from minicamp? So Teddy Bridgewater has been more accurate, but Drew Locke has had a stronger arm. Is that the report? Well, no. Bridgewater and Judy are apparently like on the same page. They're connecting. They're making a lot of plays in camp. And then all of a sudden, Drew Locke's got this mysterious blister injury on his hand, and they're starting to make excuses for him. I mean, I'm sure it's legit, but uh, Bridgewater apparently is outplaying Lock at this point, and and him and Judy are very much in sync early on. And that's well, Ju- and Judy surprise. fits. Judy fits with Teddy a lot better because he's open. Right, <laughs> like, right. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, seriously, right. it's not it's not a joke. Like he he gets more separation than yeah. almost any wide receiver, and Teddy Bridgewater doesn't want to throw it into a tight window. Yeah, I think you know when you look at under the hood for Jerry Judy, he had. An average depth of target of 13.5 yards down the field, uh, an average yak per reception of five yards. There were only 12 wide receivers last season that had at least an 11-yard average depth of target with at least five yards per catch after the catch. And you're talking about like Will Fuller, Tyreek Hill, DJ Moore, you know, Rob Gronkowski, actually, surprisingly. Um, and there were some, you know, guys who weren't great, Prashad Perriman, Jalen Guyton, but all in all, I think that's a really promising uh combination that's that's the you know that's the aj brown combination justin jefferson also did that i think that you know the ability to make plays down the field and make plays with the ball in your hands that's what makes an elite wide receiver and get aaron Rodgers to denver (laughs) heath do you think claypool or higgins in their crowded uh, crowded rooms of receivers have uh star potential this year 2021 yeah yeah i I would rather bet on Higgins because I I like Higgins as a player better and I like Higgins quarterback better. Um, I think I think it's obviously Chase is a a problem for him, but Chase is still a rookie, so I we may be overestimating the uh, or underestimating the possibility that T Higgins is the best Bengals wide receiver this year. And when Joe Burrow was healthy last year, they threw the ball forty times a game, so it wouldn't really matter. If he was the number two wide receiver, you could be a star as a number two wide receiver for 40 pass attempts a game. So I'd rather bet on Higgins than Claypool for sure. The thing going back to what you said about Roethlisberger's elbow, if he's right, Claypool's going to have a big season because that's when Ben's been at his best is when he's challenging downfield. You know, so if he can throw the ball down the field, then Claypool's going to really be a star. If he can't, then you're going to have some big moments like we saw last year and you're going to have a lot of inconsistent play. Yeah, I absolutely, I actually really hate the, the uh, I don't really know the best way to say, it, but the, I hate the the combination of the terrific talent and rookie production from this wide receiver class, but also the lack of clarity on the targets, the competition within the with you know within the wide receiver core. It's a little frustrating. These these are players that in the perfect situation could be superstars this year, and they're going to be a little bit tougher to to draft just because you know. They have a lot of competition. It's it's well, I mean, like you brought it up. The guys last year were easy. McLaurin was easy to see because he had a great rookie season and nothing around him. AJ Brown, you know, yeah, Corey Davis had a good year, and John Smith was, you know, expected to do a little bit more, but you could see what it was and what he had the chance to become. Yeah. And, you know, Metcalf was just such a physical presence that it was just hard to overlook what he did as a rookie and what he had the potential to do. Uh, these guys, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise, I think, any of us if if Ayuk built off of what he showed you last year. CeeDee Lamb, you know, in those five games or four games before Dak got hurt, you know, was able to to be a star. He, you know, Chris brought it up. Jerry Judy is, is kind of getting not criminally overlooked, but overlooked enough that, you know, his his value based on what his upside could be because everybody remembers the drops that a lot of that wasn't his fault. And then, you know, Higgins and Claypool just, you know, they could really step forward in their receiving cores even though there's so much competition. It wouldn't be shocking, but it's just not as clear. And yeah, I, the drops, I don't care. I just don't care about drops at all. I don't think they matter unless your coach thinks they matter. And there's no sign that Jerry Judy's coach thought that mattered. They kept throwing to him. Um, I, I just, yeah, I don't care about that. I think he's going to be awesome. 
it has to happen for a lot more than one year for me to care. Um, I, I do wonder, Adam, because we're obviously going to have to adjust your uh, 900 yard threshold for wide receivers in 2021. <laughs> uh huh. I kind of wonder, like the way last year was in terms of the passing game, the way the NFL's changed over the last three or four years, even, but especially last year, it went bananas with the passing game if the 900 like we had a lot of these rookie wide receivers that were just like right like 935 for cd lamb 908 for t higgins um i think claypool was just under 873 i yeah. wonder if that's going to be as predictive as it was in the past when we when the, the league as a whole was 10 to 15 percent worse throwing the ball well the reason why Okay, so if, if you're not familiar, I think you probably are, but we've just sort of established that wide receivers who get to 900 yards as rookies, most of them turn out to be pretty damn good, at least since the year 2000 or 2003, whenever this research started. Uh, most of them turn out to be great players or, or very good players, and year two is is typically very, very fruitful. So, And the three that we were looking at from 2019 were McLaurin, Metcalf, and, uh, and A.J. Brown. So uh, this year, the three are Jefferson, who shattered it, 1,400, and Lamb and Higgins, who, as Heath just mentioned, didn't really get there, didn't really blow past it, but did get to 900 yards. The reason why, why Heath, that I don't adjust to say, oh, well, it was barely over 900 yards, but it was in this environment, this great environment of passing and scoring, is because their quarterbacks got hurt. And if you just look at what they were doing when their quarterbacks were healthy, we wouldn't be happy. They'd be over 1,000, so probably. At least they were on pace for that. I I think it would have continued. So that's why I'm so encouraged by the years that they had, that, that they were so good when their quarterbacks were healthy. And Higgins, holy cow, every single week, he was just he was great. Now we know they added Jamar Chase. But A.J. Green, I believe, was out-targeting Higgins. He wasn't out-producing him. But he showed that he can be great with Green and Boyd also getting a lot of targets. But that's, that's my take, Heath. You know, if their quarterbacks hadn't gotten hurt, I might be a little more skeptical. But I think they would have shattered 900 if not for the injuries. We have not talked about your three wide receivers at all, so let's talk about these guys. Uh, can we move DK Metcalf ahead of A.J. Brown? Anybody ready to do that after the Julio Jones trade? I did. I did not. I, I did not. I actually kind of moved A.J. Brown up a little bit. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> to what? I, I just, One? I don't think I don't think there's going to be a big change in how, how many targets he gets with Julio Jones. I think it's... They're not taking targets away from AJ Brown. They're taking targets away from Dre Fitzpatrick, Des Fitzpatrick, is that his name? And Racy McMath and Josh Reynolds. And like, I think they're going to be fine. I still have AJ Brown at 135 targets. Um, and I think the efficiency is going to be a little better. I'm, I'm regressing his efficiency less than I was before the, the Julio Jones trade. Okay. Jamie, you moved Metcalf ahead. Yeah, just slightly. I mean, you know, it's uh, I'll probably change it a hundred times between now and then. It's like that group of receivers. I had AJ Brown third before the trade, so I dropped him behind Metcalf, who I think was uh, eight. Um, so they're all in the same, you know, relative range. I I just think that you know Julio's going to take enough targets because Julio's a little bit better than Corey Davis and John o. Smith combined. Um, certainly better than Des Fitzpatrick and, and Josh Reynolds and and the group that they have there now. So. He's going to command more attention, and that's going to take away a little bit of what A.J. Brown was expected to do. I thought A.J. Brown could potentially, even on this passing attack, uh, challenge for the league lead in targets. You know, he just was going to get so much attention. So that's going to come down a little bit. He's going to be efficient. He's going to be awesome. This isn't stay away from A.J. Brown by any stretch. It's just uh, I think D.K. Metcalf and what the Seahawks told us this offseason was we're going to let Russ play the way Russ wants to play a little bit, and I think that's going to help Metcalf going into year three as well. Which side would you rather have? Combination of sophomore and third year junior wide receivers. Uh, Justin Jefferson and Deontay Johnson or CeeDee Lamb and Terry McLaurin? Uh, Jefferson and Deontay. I actually have Deontay ahead of CeeDee Lamb. Oh. I also have Deontay ahead of CeeDee Lamb. Oh. I'll take the other side. Oh, actually, like only in full PPR and in, in non PPR, I have Lamb ahead. But oh, okay, so it's two votes for the Jefferson Johnson side. Yeah, I mean, Jamie, you have McLaurin fifth, right? Uh, that's a non PPR. I think I have seventh in PPR. Yeah, he's eleventh for me. So there, there's a little gap there. Yeah. Which side would you rather have, Deontay Johnson? I did another one with Deontay Johnson. That's weak. 
Deontay Johnson and Jerry Judy or Marquise Brown and Chase Claypool? The Judy side. Oh, yeah, Deontay and Judy for sure. That's an easy one. I can do better than that. Yeah, I have Judy ahead of Marquise Brown and Claypool. Same. Okay, who's a better sleeper? Henry Ruggs or mm, Paris Campbell? Ruggs. Uh, <laughs> I would I guess rather Ruggs. have Ruggs on my team. I've got Campbell yeah. projected higher, but they're both so far down that I'll take the upside of Ruggs. If Ruggs hits, he has star potential. I don't know Ruggs. if Paris Campbell has star potential. Okay, how about Henry Ruggs or LaVisca Chenault? Chenault. Chenault. <sighs> Man, I'm... I wish the Jaguars had done different things this offseason for LaVisca Chenault's sake. I could see him getting lost there, and it's very frustrating. But I would still go with Chenault. He might be the number one wide receiver. Urban Meyer hates DJ Jerk. Yeah, but he might be the number four option in the passing game. He could, he could be. It could, anything could happen in Jacksonville this season. I would not be particularly surprised. Yeah. Okay. Who's a better sleeper? Denzel Mims or... <laughs> or Miko Hardman. I, I think I would go Mims at this point. Hardman's got had enough opportunities to to do something, and he just really hasn't. I'm gonna go with Hardman one more time. But I'm gonna go Hardman too. Yeah, that, that's a quarterback thing. Yeah. If Tyreek Hill gets hurt, Miko Hardman's a monster among monsters. <laughs> what if that? What if everybody stays healthy? Then who would you take? I'll still take my chances with Hardman. Okay. Yeah, I. I mean, Mims could be the number one receiver for the Jets, but it's you know the, which would the probably last... make him the fourth receiver on the team. <laughs> yeah, the last three words of that sentence are are pretty important. Um, but still, so yeah, maybe Zach Wilson's really good. I'm still so intrigued by Mims, though. Yeah, we just never really got to see what he could do. It, it was such a weird year because he had that hamstring injury that he really couldn't practice. I think it was like early in training camp. He didn't play for like the first four or five games. And then he had a, a family issue where he had to leave the team. So, you know, there was just a lot working against him. I, I thought he was pretty good when he played. He does have the escaping from Adam Gase thing going for him, which is gets That's, him closer to Hardman. Like Elijah Moore never played with Adam Gase, so we don't know how, how good he's <laughs> going to be. <laughs> you guys like escape from L.A. or escape from New York better? Never seen either of them. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen fully escape from New York, but escape from L.A. is a fun movie. Very fun. I don't. Don't think Snake Bliskin, right? That's the name. Snake Bliskin, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Not, but Tango and Cash definitely better than both. Uh, waiting to hear, <laughs> waiting for the angry email on that one. So, any other sleepers you guys want to talk? Cash about? Is definitely better than both. Is it okay? Good. I love, love Tango and Cash. Cash. I really want to see Tango and Cash. I haven't seen that movie in so long. Definitely never seen Tango and Cash. I thought you were talking about Turner and Hooch. <laughs> never seen Tango and Cash. Never seen Tango and Cash. Oh my gosh. For a while, that, that movie was always on TV when I was a kid. Always. And I never should have watched it. It's very violent. But <laughs> um, great. We haven't movie. talked about Michael Pittman yet, right? No, we haven't. Yeah. Do you consider him a sleeper? Well, he deserves to be in the conversation somewhere. Well, I didn't know if he was too, <laughs> too highly rated to be a sleeper. I didn't know. I don't think so. Oh, he's going right after LaVisca Chenault, so I suppose, I suppose not. <laughs> yeah, he was... The weird thing about him was he was playing a lot, you know, even early on in his rookie season coming back from that injury. And so, you know, what's the what's the opportunity to grow? What does that look like, I guess? You know, it's not going to come from more playing time. He's just going to have to play better. And I'm, I definitely have bigger questions about their QB situation now than I did last season. You I don't know if I, I agree with that. I don't know that... Like I had quite a few questions about Philip Rivers. Um, yeah, I thought he was going to be fine. He was fine. Like I, I have very little confidence in what Carson Wentz is at this point. My, <laughs> my, uh, my, my prior is that he's not good. Who's the number one receiver for the Colts? Could be Pittman. I think he got treated as Hilton going in, but it could be Pittman. Yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 um, I think Pittman's being drafted first. Um. Yeah, it's pretty. I think close. it's probably Ty, but he is being drafted first. Fact, oh, wow, it's not I, that close. No, it's not that close. And in our drafts, it is. I remember it's like forty-five spots in NFC. Chris and I took them back to back. Um. Okay, Gabriel Davis, 
stepping up. Any uh, any thought? Any hopes? Thoughts for him? Gabriel Davis. Love Gabriel Davis. I, I love drafting him with one of my last picks. If I can get him, you know the the fact that John Brown's not there anymore, it's entirely possible Gabriel Davis is the number two option. I still have Cole Beasley as the number two guy. I pretty much expect nothing from Emmanuel Sanders, but you know Davis could be the kind of guy who, if he gets eighty targets, you know ends up being a starting caliber fantasy option, albeit a, a frustratingly inconsistent one. I really only want to draft him in best ball. Yeah, that's fair. Jamie, I'm going to just say some names. Some are year two, some are year three. Tampa Bay, Tyler Johnson, Jacksonville's Colin Johnson, Quintez Cephas of Detroit, Isaiah Coulter of Houston, Donovan Peoples-Jones in Cleveland, Darius Slayton, Travis Fulgham, Chargers with Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson. Did I say anyone? I know we're not going to draft them, but anyone that you that you could see emerging or maybe even just having dynasty value. Cephas, for sure, just knowing what that receiving core looks like. And, you know, I mean, look, Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perryman, you kind of know what they are at this point. You know, if they stay healthy, maybe they have a chance chance to produce. Uh, Amon Ron St. Brown, the rookie, you know, that's who the, he's competing with. So he could easily be in the mix for the number one receiver in Detroit. Not that you're going to draft that, but, you know, somebody to put in the back of your mind uh, in deeper leagues. And then Travis Fulgham, look, we had that stretch of games last year for Philadelphia where he was amazing. Uh, Jalen Rager and, and Devontae Smith should be the top two guys, but he could be third. You know, I mean, they're talking about Greg Ward as their third receiver, and, you know, that's a what, former quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Fulgham physically, you know, could be their, their, their best option as a red zone threat, you know, not taking into account J.J.R. Sega-Whiteside and what he can maybe do ever, but um, – those would be the two that I keep an eye on. It, I think it's going to be, you know, like I, I like Tyler Johnson and Colin Johnson. Those are two guys that I had my eyes on, you know, as some free agent dynasty pickups, just knowing that the receiving cores were changing a little bit this offseason and they changed for the worst for those guys, you know, uh, for, for Tyler Johnson, the fact that Antonio Brown is back and Chris Godwin stayed and then Colin Johnson bringing in Marvin Jones, you know, the, the, that didn't help his outlook at all. Yeah. Heath, dynasty man. Jalen Rager and Nikhil Harry. <laughs> Thoughts? Uh, Jalen Rager and Darnell Mooney are both very, very interesting uh, mm-hmm. guys that I would like to try to buy low on. Um, I think it's pretty clear Mooney will be the number two wide receiver for the Bears this year. Um, so there's, especially if Fields is able to take over that job early in the year, there's some significant upside for him. I'm more excited about him than I am Rager, but once Zach Ertz is officially not a Philadelphia Eagle, there's going to be some room for Jalen Rager. They say he's playing the slot a little bit more. Love both of those guys. I don't have hardly any hope at all for Nikhil Harry. There was a report that came out. I don't remember who it was. I'm sorry. But they were talking about the top three wide receivers and then somebody pushing Nikhil Harry for number four. <laughs> um, and so like, I, he's just apparently not very good. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I, I, I agree with Heath on, on Rager. I actually, I may like him a little more than Mooney. There were... He was one of those guys who was in that uh, 11 yard A dot plus five yards after catch on average uh, group. You need obviously. to raise your sample size to qualify. Well, it was 50 targets. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, he wasn't good last year, but he had the shoulder injury right before the start of the season where he separated his shoulder, played through it early on, tore the ligament in his thumb. I mean, he might have had a leg injury at some point too. It was just a really tough year for him, and it you know, kind of all happened right at the beginning, which makes it really hard to get going. And then the quarterback situation was awful in Philadelphia until Jalen Hurts took over. So I do think there's a chance he's the number one wide receiver there. I think there's a, a chance he's a, a viable fantasy option. So I'm not giving up on Jalen Rager. He's someone I like in the late rounds. Mm, how much of a chance do you think that he's the number one wide receiver? I mean, he does it, he's probably... It's going to be, okay, Fulgham maybe, but it, Devontae Smith is the favorite. Yeah, he's. I, I think he's the number two. You know, Fulgham kind of fell out Rager, of favor. You think Rager's, num- Rager's the number yeah, two? Yeah, Rager's the number two. But, like, you know, Smith's better, but Rager was the number 21 pick last in 2020 in a pretty deep wide I bet receiver. the Eagles would like to do that one again. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. I'm sure they would rather. Uh, did Justin Jefferson go right ahead yeah, of him? Yeah, no, after. Oh, it went yeah. Rager, they, they like have him. Jefferson, Ayuk. Higgins, 
And then Pittman, Chenault, Hamler, and then Claypool. Not great. Yeah, Not great. Yeah. He's better. Than, I think he's better than Hamler. <laughs> That's um, good. But you know, he he like he he has pedigree. He was a really productive receiver in college at a very young age. There's still a lot of things working in Rager's favor. Um, so I, I could see you know a 900 yard you know seven touchdown season okay. for him. What kind of dinner would you buy me? Like we'll go out, we'll hang out. You and I will go to dinner after the season. For if, the first time since I moved here 18 months ago? <laughs> uh, well, we went to Hill Second Country. Time, I think. Where did you live when we went to Hill Country? Uh, I, was, I was still down here. Or in, down in Florida. Florida. If, if uh, Devontae Smith has 800 more yards than Jalen Rager, <laughs> like you got to buy me like, like, a, like a steak. Like are we talking about injuries? Like if they both play X number of games? They both What's have to the play. the side of that? Adam, if that happens, <laughs> I will invite. I will invite you to my my apartment. I will buy like a hundred and thirty dollar wagyu steak, and I will cook it for you. Oh, okay, all right, that's fine. We're in eight hundred more yards, and they're both healthy. Yeah, they're both. They both play at least twelve games. I mean, I'm just throwing. I'm just having fun here. What? You know, no, no, but it's not. It's not fun. What's it's not a bet if there's no way that Chris gets a steak. Right. If it doesn't He's happen, I get $5. He's going to make a steak for both of us, Heath. Jeez. If, if it doesn't happen, <laughs> if it doesn't happen, Adam buys me a Hungry Man Salisbury steak dinner. We'll go to uh, we'll go to Patsy's. We'll get some terrific New York City pizza. For some reason, Jamie doesn't think Patsy's is good. It's amazing. Well, I'll, I'll no, buy you Patsy's. I've never had good New York pizza. You go to... you. You've You're been Michael here for Scott. Twelve hours. You're Michael time. Scott. You go to New York City. You go. Oh, look! They got Sparrows here. This must be incredible. This must be authentic. Did Dave take you to the place? Wasn't that Dave? Like Dave, Pizza Dave took me to the place. So and I've been to thing. New York twice. The the quality. <laughs> there are Dave. really good. Like, like there's Polly G's in Greenpoint. Maybe the best pizza I've ever had. Yeah. But if you're talking like a New York slice of pizza, you can't hype it up because there's a very small range of quality. They're all pretty good. They're all great, except for the except for like famous Rays and except for the chains. Even Rays is pretty good. Eh, it's okay. All right, now you sound like a Floridian. All right, you can follow and stream fantasy football today wow. on Spotify. If you are listening on Spotify right now, go to the FFT show page and hit that rectangle follow button so that when new episodes are dropped, they'll be at the top of your feed. And if you're listening elsewhere or watching on YouTube, give YouTube give Spotify a try. And drop us a follow. We'd appreciate it. We're going to take a break and read your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, email time. This is from Ryan from the home of Tony Paco's hot dogs. There's a lot of. I just think it's. I think it's worth mentioning that the guy who doesn't even live in New York City doesn't get to be a, a snob. I did live in in New York City I, twice. Okay. Did you? Yeah, twice. You live in like. Massachusetts now. I live in Westchester. I live fairly close to New York City. That's basically Connecticut. It is pretty close to Connecticut. You're not wrong about that. I don't know what Tony Paco's is, but they look good. Okay. The question is... The discussion last week... Oh, this is a good question. The discussion last week about the Jaguars was great, and I'd like to hear uh, from all of you how you projected the Jaguars players for 2021. New head coach, new system, drafting Trevor Lawrence... Changes abound. The, the question is just, you know, how did you... It's a great question. How do you go about projecting a team with so much uncertainty? <laughs> I started I started with just league average from last year ratios. Uh, just a hands up in the air. Um, I, I 
did adjust them a little more run heavy when they took a running back in the first round and said they wanted to be top five in the league and either rushing or rush attempts or stupid first round draft picks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think they're going to be a little more run heavy than league average possibly. Yeah. But they're also going to be bad. So that generally lends itself towards passing. Yeah. My, my thought was very similar. I don't have the more rush run heavy than league average, but I do have them more run heavy than an average team that I expect to be bad because that's, you know, you look back at Urban Meyer, Dave wrote his uh, coach breakdown when they hired him, and he's been incredibly run heavy in college. And obviously that'll happen when you're winning games by 50 points regularly, but still even accounting for that, he's been run heavy. And everything he said since then makes me think that they're going to run the ball a lot. So I think that's that's a good place to start. This is from Emily from the Bachelorette capital of the U.S. Nashville. Nashville. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Dear Green, Carter, Ross, and Hathaway. Huh. Uh, Anns. <laughs> I don't think so. What are your thoughts on keeping career stats in mind and potential to hit big records as a deciding factor in your draft? So in other words, if a player has milestones, you know, like Brady breaking records and whatnot, does that ever factor in? Jimmy, I know that's something that you more talk about in week 17, you know, around those times where you want, you think, oh, they got a single season record on the line. Do you ever think about that from more of a long-term, season-long perspective? Not really, no. I mean, it's obviously something that you want to keep an eye on. You know, like Brady, for example, has got to average a certain amount of yards before the Patriots game to break Drew Brees' record. So people think he's going to be, you know, airing it out more. I don't know how that's possible. Um <laughs> you know, things of that nature, but no, not really. I think it's more, you know, end of year things when, you know, guys have incentives on the line and, you know, maybe looking at milestone situations, but beginning of the year, not so much. Uh, it's yeah. ER. Yeah, Rock it's guys. ER. It's ER. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for stealing my Google Thunder. It is ER. Green, Carter, Ross, and Hathaway. Great show. Remember the Blizzard episode? Whew. Great episode. Bruce from the North Bay in California Dear index, middle, ring, pinky, and butter. Ugh. No idea. Fingers. I'd rather I'd rather eat human fingers. <laughs> well, I can get your toe. Twelve team keeper league, half point PPR. Keep four total. Hundred and ten dollar budget. Uh, keep as long as you want at a dollar every year. I'm keeping Mahomes for nine dollars and Swift for three. Who should my remaining two keepers be? That's kind of rhyme. I like that. Aaron Jones for 10. Cam Akers for 10. Calvin Ridley for 26. Adam Thielen for three. Or Mike Evans for five. My first thought is Jones and Evans, but I could be talked into Jones and Akers. I wouldn't really consider Thielen and Ridley. Probably not either. Jones Ridley for me is the easy one. Ooh, but he's... He's twenty six bucks, but you don't care. Why not? He's going to be awesome. He is the he is the price of every other play. The all other four cost forty twenty eight bucks, and he's twenty six. Yeah, well, that's why you can afford to to get him because you have other guys cheap. Um, Aaron Jones will be easy if we know Aaron Rodgers is there. Question: Who are you taking first in drafts? Uh, The answer better be Ridley, Cam Akers, or Calvin Ridley. I'm taking Acres, but he already has Swift cheap. But the, how could you keep a twenty-six dollar Ridley over a ten dollars Acres? It's, it's the it's the roster construction. Just just get Ridley in your draft. If you can, I mean, if you tell me that's an easy thing to do, okay. I gotta feel I, like, yeah, I, I'll keep all three running backs in my homes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could look at it this way: How much is Acres probably going to go for in a draft? Twenty plus. So you look at it. Yes, roster construction, but if you wanted to get. Ridley back, you know, maybe you spend 30 on Ridley and you've got Ridley and Acres for 40. Whereas if you keep Ridley, what are your chances of getting Acres for 14? I think it's pretty low. Yeah, it's a good point. Jamie's wrong. Uh, this is <laughs> from John from a city in Rhode Island, not named Providence or Newport. Burling, Providence, oh, no, Vermont. Uh, I don't know any cities in Rhode Island. <laughs> Westchester. <laughs> Westchester's a county, by the way. Hey, Bodie, Poot, D'Angelo, and Wallace. That's the wire. 
Yeah, more like boring poop. <laughs> yeah, nah, not my favorite. So this guy, the title of this email was uh, the two worst Azer takes ever or something like that. I said that The Wire is the most boring cop show ever. I get killed for this all the time. I don't like The Wire. I do want to rewatch it, though. I, I'm sure it's great. I'd like to rewatch it. Uh, but then he also brought up the whole agreeing to trade via text thing. And he said, secondly, the notion that a trade that is agreed upon via text being able to be backed out of is absurd. Two adults agree to make a deal. The deal is made. End of story. Anything else is dirtbag behavior. It allows for all sorts of shadiness, shadiness such as walking that trade up to another owner and one-upping your deal. Jamie goes to Heath and says, hey, Adam agreed to trade me player X for player Y. Can you beat that? Heath agrees to give Jamie more value than you did. Before the trade is processed on the site, should Jamie get to not go through with his trade with you and do one with Heath? Obviously not. And before you say, well, obviously that would not be allowed, why wouldn't it be? Your deal isn't official. Yada, yada, goes on and on. He's really mad that I, I have said. a solution. Yeah? How do you no, enforce gonna, it? I'm going to make millions of dollars off of this. What if we had a system within the leagues where you could make trade offers and counter offers within the league, and then if someone had accepted, it was binding? So you're doing a bit. Yeah. And I appreciate it. It's good comedy. But sometimes you make an offer, and the person accepts you lose that that back and forth. You know, you got to have the discussion yeah. off site. But the problem is, like, I agree it's shady as hell. It's not. If you no, say, it's not. I agree to make a trade in text message, and then you don't do it. You get cold That feet. is shady. You know, but, well, I mean, let, let's, let, let's take into account the, the Titans-Falcons trade, right? So let's say they had agreed, uh, John Robinson and Terry Fontenot agreed over the phone that, that we're giving up a second and a fourth for Julio and a sixth, and we're taking all the contract. And let's say the Patriots called an hour later before one of them called the league to report the trade and said, we'll give you a first for Julio. Are they not allowed to back out of that deal? Of course deal? they are. You're yeah, allowed first. to, but like the, you may like, never make a trade with that team again. Right. right. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you have to understand that that's what you're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, look, sometimes you get, you, you, when, when, you don't have to actually click the button and have the trade go through. You might say things that are a little bit different. You might feel bold. Oh yeah, let's do this trade. And then you, then you think about it. Uh, well, I didn't. Adam, I just I don't know why you're defending it because nobody disagrees that it should be shouldn't be oh, legal. Oh no, it's just it is a dirtbag move. No, no, no. A lot of, what did Heath or Jamie did a Twitter poll and like half the people said that it, that it's binding and half the people said it isn't. Roughly. No, it's Jamie had C, Jamie had C results in there. I don't understand. <laughs> So <laughs> it's unenforceable. Yeah, I look. I, I said so yes if a to rule a trade. Enforceable, it's we, not a rule. Yeah, but uh, well, whatever. That's that's too technical. All right, like, we're, we're having fun here. Um, <laughs> that's it for the fantasy cops. And this is from Shane in Rocket Rocket City. As the Austin Eckler manager, I'm trying to decide between backfield backups for my 12 team PPR dynasty league. Snell, McFarland. Jackson and Kelly, who to pick of the four? Snell, McFarland, Jackson, and Kelly, and he has Eckler. I think it's either Jackson or Kelly. I don't know which one. My 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 assumption is Jackson because he was better last so year. So much better. I think it's I think it's between the two of them. I don't think there's much value in having one of the Steelers guys. The only thing is that if Snell gets that job, he's better than the two Chargers guys. So if Najee Harris gets hurt, we'd be racing to get Benny Snow. And then he probably and wouldn't be that good because he's yeah. He, like, he, we've I, seen this if before. I can, if I can put my bid, well, we Kaplan, and he was good. Was he good? I feel like he had. Yeah, I think he's a little up in it. Well, you know what he is. He's a, he's a no he catch guy. He, he did have the one good game. Like he had, he had like, two good games. Yeah, like a, it was like an eighty yard. Yeah, three three games where Connor got hurt or didn't play, and and Snow was good to him. I. Uh, but he also had some a little bit of an audition the year before. He's, yeah, he's fine, but he never catches the ball, right? I, I don't think all four think of these, of these guys four are, backs are good. Yeah, I think they're all guys. At yeah, best, they, I'm great. not sure if Anthony McFarland is. They are all, they are all guys. Case closed. Uh, all right, Jamie's going Snell. I would go Snell. Heath Blake Snell. Snell, you have more upside because what if Najee Harris gets hurt and Austin Eckler doesn't, yeah. and now you have two starting running backs? <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess there's a chance one of Jackson or Kelly could be a starting running back, even with Eckler. All right, well, 
I think I'm over this. Let's uh, let's call it a day. Thanks for this wonderful discussion. We're back on Thursday with another episode of Fantasy Football Today. And you know what, people? You're sending so many emails. You might just get a mailbag later this week. Join us Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on YouTube, youtube.com slash fantasyfootballtoday. We'll see you there. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. Time to set it up. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, we got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.